Hello, and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. We're doing things a little bit differently today. Later on the show, I will bring on Chris and Shane to discuss the Chris Hemsworth-led Netflix thriller Spiderhead and maybe a couple other films we caught over the past week. But first, we have our first guest segment on this show today. Very excited to have Morgan Roberts with us for a segment I'm calling Sundance Revisited as there are a bunch of films newly released in theaters and streaming that premiered originally at the Sundance Film Festival back in the wintertime. And I wanted to bring Morgan on as she watched a lot of these during Sundance, covering them for In Their Own League. So we will go over what we think of the movies released thus far, where to find them, and maybe recommend a film or two that will be coming up from that Sundance crop later on in the year. So without further delay, let's get on to my conversation with film critic Morgan Roberts. All right, Morgan Roberts is here. Very excited. First guest for recent activity, which is amazing. Uh, we're in like episode eight and we're just uh, just doing that. But, you know, we had to get our sea legs down before we invite you on, Morgan. So uh, I hope you're glad to hear because uh, it's been too long. Uh, we You were a frequent yes. guest on my old podcast, and I'm glad you're here for this one. I'm so excited to be here. I'm super excited that we can talk about a plethora of different films and projects and um yeah i'm just super honored to be asked to join you on this new adventure yeah i i and of course i'm we're so topical on recent activity that i'm not asking you about tribeca which you're just doing instead i'm like so can we talk about the film festival from like seven months ago uh that (laughs) you know is so topical to everyone right now but I, the reason why I did, because you and I, you way more than me, uh, did the Sundance coverage back in late January. Uh, beautiful that it was online, so that way at least, you know, lesser beings like myself can uh, dip my toe in and watch at least, like, a handful of films and feel like I'm a, a cool guy. Uh, but you, obviously, for in in their own league or or any of the other places that you contribute to, you got to do more of a full-scale assault on this one. And the reason why I brought you on is so many of these movies have come out, some of them of which we'll talk about something like Cha-Cha Real Smooth, which I did watch during Sundance. Uh, it just came out on Apple TV+. Plus. But there's so many between this week alone. I watched Watcher in the theaters, uh, Cha-Cha Real Smooth on Apple TV+, Plus. Good Luck to You, Leo Grand on Hulu, And, like, there's a million more. I know you're a big fan of Duel. That's on, like, AMC Plus or something at this point. There's, like, and there's a a bunch more coming out real soon. So I kind of wanted to bring you in, kind of be like, in the moment, did it feel like a great crop? Because every time I watch a new one that I know released in Sundance, like, and Fresh and Emergency, we covered on this podcast already. So those are a couple more. Did it feel either different to you or or better maybe than it has been in recent years? Yeah, it really felt like they upped the ante because I've always like by proxy looked at Sundance because I grew up in the West. And so I just kind of always gravitated to that as a film festival because it always just seemed really accessible. There were always so many women and people of color who got to showcase their work there. 
and it is really a platform for these projects to get picked up by distributors, which is huge. I mean, just look at the fact that Coda, which didn't have a distributor last year, won Best Picture. Um, So, you know, there is always like a scrappiness to um, Sundance, but like this year had like both the scrappiness as well as like just an intense and admirable love for cinema. Cause I, so much of the stuff that has been my favorite Mm -hmm. films this year, they've all, so many of them have come from Sundance. Like we still have, am I okay to come out? We have honk for Jesus, save your soul to come out. Right. Palm trees and power lines. I don't think has a distributor yet. And it's an incredible film. And like, those have all been additional films this year that I've seen that I'm just like, oh, I can't wait for people to actually watch this. Yeah, to join in on the conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm glad to do this now. Um, one of the things, though, I'm sure maybe you noticed as well, do you feel like this year more than others, they really kind of gave more of an array of genres? Like it really felt like they kind of went harder into horror options and you know, maybe even some more like comedy or action stuff that maybe they didn't really do and that people are able to maybe do low budget, but they're also getting distribution because we have so many streamers that, you know, and obviously the overseas and everything else, but it just feels like there's just more of a thirst for them. And Sundance can actually cultivate that, like you said, where they can get picked up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think that this past year, even just kind of looking at Cause there were some films even from, you know, the 2021 festival that are slowly being trickled out. Um, right. Cause you know, they're picked up by a distributor like IFC, which is incredible for independent film, but they're yeah. also such a small distribution company. Right. So, um, you know, like some of their stuff has been trickling out from that they purchased over a year ago. And even like the horror stuff has just been, so much more accessible in like the story that it's telling while also having like subverting some of the form um you know just look at fresh of you know we have seen men terrorize women over and over and over again sure but um you know the way in which there is uh was like an awareness that you don't always see in horror of like I have to do this very messed up thing or I am knowing that I'm putting myself in danger to find my friend but like what else is there to do I you know just like appreciated even those little bits of it of you know women being complacent to other women's right you know torment and we saw that not just in fresh but like in a lot of the other films just like this nuance and understanding that people are interested in films that are not traditional. Yeah. We're not looking for white guys doing white dude things over and over (laughs) and over again. Right. That if we are going to see white men in a film, like make them cry and hug their mom played by Leslie Mann. You know, if we are going to see these types of things, let's make it a little bit more truthful or let's make it, so fantastical that we know that it's not from this planet kind of thing so i yeah they just really have always been on the forefront of 
cultivating new ideas, but I think that they have felt really empowered by how well their online platform has been. Right. And like the people that have gotten to see films at their festival now that they really understand that they can branch far out. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think some of the pipelines are getting consolidated with some of the true tastemakers too. Like the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, Neon has a deal with Hulu. So then they can kind of pick stuff up and know they have immediate channels to put it on, whether it gets theatrical first or not. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, Palm Springs was a notable one from uh, previous years for something like that. And, you know, we're seeing more of that where, you know, A24 has a lot of like deals with Apple a lot of times or they'll kind of free flow. It just and even when you mentioned IFC, IFC Midnight stuff, when I saw Watcher, it's also a co pro with Shudder to where it's gonna mm-hmm. probably be a Shudder exclusive uh, sooner rather than later. So it's interesting that a lot of those are going straight through. And I think HBO Max and Warner was a little more uh, hungry for some of these as well because they have a, a new streaming platform to fill out too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, or IFC also works with amc so all of their streaming stuff goes on there too and like there's that overlap is it you know apple plus where you're gonna find this a24 film or is it showtime and like they're trying to have these bodies of work now in like this digital catalog and so i think that they're just kind of paying a lot of attention to that yeah absolutely um the way I want to kind of do this, because there's obviously a bunch of movies that came out during Sundance, I figure we're going to talk about the ones that came out over the weekend in Cha Cha Real Smooth and Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. And then if we have a little bit of time left, maybe we'll talk about movies that either were very underseen, because maybe they're on AMC Plus. I know you like Duel, so maybe yes. I'll pop that through. Or um, something down the pike that you're just like, you need to look out for this one. This is the one I loved from Sundance. Cool? Mm-hmm. Sounds great. All right. So let's start with Cha-Cha Real Smooth because this is the one that just blew me away during mm-hmm. Sundance. And when we did our top five movies thus far of 2022, this was still my number one even months later. So this is, of course, uh, Cooper Rafe, written and directed by him and starring Uh, He plays Andrew in the film, uh, also starring Dakota Johnson as Domino, Leslie Mann, Brad Garrett, uh, Raul Castillo, and Vanessa Burghardt as Lola, who is just absolutely heartbreakingly lovely in this film. Uh, It's about a young man who works as a bar mitzvah party host who strikes up a friendship with a mother and her autistic daughter. It's... It's one of those things every time I read that plot synopsis, I'm like, that is like the most basic, basic thing you can say about this movie, even though it's correct. But to me, the way I've described it to a lot of people is this is a coming of age movie that shows it doesn't matter what age you are when you come into that age, that it, it doesn't put a number on it, that two souls can both be trying to figure themselves out. And just because they're of different ages or different places, people are still learning. And especially if you have something like having a child very young, you know, some arrested development can set in and maybe that kind of changes the timeline for you. I just like how complicated these people are, but also how just 
lovely they could be at times, how complicated life can be. There's so much to chew on with this movie that I told people like it was the it was the traditional poster thing. It was I laugh, I cried, you know, I like everything I could emote. I did with this movie, and that's why I really appreciated it. Uh, what did you think of Cha Cha Real Smooth? I uh, the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, this is fine. I like watching men cry and try to be in tune with their emotions. Wonderful, sure. But um, you know, I got to watch it in a crowd at a local film festival, which was Very just. Jealous. It is, it is so great to watch movies with people sometimes. I kind of forget that because yeah. I watch so much by myself because it's an event to go to the theater sometimes. Right. And um, it was it was just so much fun to like feel everyone go through this journey together. Right. Um, so yeah, I really warmed up to the film where everyone was kind of like immediately sold. And I needed a little bit more hard selling, but I right. think one of the thing, one of the criticisms that I see so much with this film is that they don't like Andrew Cooper Rafe's character. And I'm just mm. like, have you met a 22 year old man? Like, have you met them? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. they are really sure of themselves and slightly insufferable. Right. And that's fine. Like, I think he did a great job of adequately depicting this very awkward stage where you are both extremely lost yet somehow extremely sure of yourself. Yeah. And I'm like, that's beautiful because it's not pretty. It's not always fun to watch that person yeah. hang out and do what they're doing. So I, I just think it's really funny because we want men to be the heroes of the story. And what's a hero in a story, if not an authentic person. Yeah. And there's also that kind of admiration that an older person like Dakota Johnson in here, or even just me as a viewer, can be like, he's like spellbinding. You just, he's so infectious mm -hmm. that you want him to figure things out. You want him to succeed. You want all that. But I love how there's a wisdom in this movie that kind of tampers that down, which may make audiences kind of just heartbroken in a yeah. way. But that is the point. And that is why I just I just break. And I've said to to other people like, and even with the, how uh, compelling the story is between Cooper Rafe and Dakota Johnson's characters, between the the daughter uh, Lola here, and uh, uh, just uh, a scene where someone getting to see uh, another person's hamster is mm -hmm. is gonna break your heart. And then also the the younger like the younger brother of Cooper Rafe's in here too. Some of the moments they had just tore me to pieces. Um, so this is such a deep cast and a, uh, uh, an extremely well put together movie. And for me, even up to this point, even with all like, you know, Marvel rearing their ugly head and other like <laughs> big ticket things like a Top Gun Maverick or any of these other big ticket things, this is still number one for me. And it's going to be hard to knock off. But I, if something does, holy crap, watch out, because then I probably will not talk about that for another, or uh, we'll talk about it too much, excuse me, uh, for another six months until we get into Oscar season. I don't know if this has Oscar legs, and I almost don't care, because it just lives in me that I just, I, do, I don't, I don't care, because I almost don't want to hear people just rip out the, the little nuances or anything and just not let this movie breathe. I like that it's out now. And people could just enjoy it before it gets potentially 
you know, in that cycle that makes me yeah. sick sometimes. Yeah. Basically the, the bashing of Coda, like it, Coda was a very sweet, thoughtful movie. And yeah. the minute it started to get no pun intended, it's sea legs um, <laughs> yeah. in the Oscar race. <laughs> yeah. Everyone was just like, boo, this movie sucks. And I'm like, you loved it yeah. at Suntance. Yep. You loved it in August. And yep. now you're mad because, you know, a depressing movie that you're watching, but not actually watching because the cinematography is too dark is not winning right. best picture this year sure. or whatever it might be. So yeah. yeah, I hope I hope that it gets like, independent spirit award love i hope that it gets like some smaller like you know film critic love but you know let it just be a sweet touching movie that gets to continue to be that thing absolutely and i obviously have two co-hosts who i know who watch the film and we're going to talk to them later about it in this episode but just to even make them watch it it just warms my heart because yep. that's maybe not exactly their cup of tea um so i'm i'm loving that i could just share the joy now now that it's on apple tv plus finally um Another movie where you were so excited to hear my opinion on yes. uh, was Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, which came out on Hulu uh, over this weekend. This is directed by Australian director Sophie Hyde. It stars uh, Emma Thompson as, I put in quotes, Nancy Stokes, and, <laughs> a.k.a. Mrs. Robinson, if you want to go that route, um, and Daryl McCormick as Leo Grand. Um, scores are very high for the film. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you and I talked off air uh, that – Unfortunately, it looks like this is going to be an Emmy play and not any kind of Oscar com uh, conversation because it didn't get theatrical that I'm aware of. Uh, if they did, cool, and maybe they're repositioning it. But from every insider I've heard is like, sorry, this is going to be for the Emmys this year. But it doesn't make me not like this any less. So um, this is a film for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. Is about Nancy Stokes, a 55-year-old widow who is yearning for some adventure, human connection, and some sex, some good-ass sex. Um, so this is an interesting movie because it's very much a chamber piece. We're seeing mm -hmm. it in minimal rooms, minimal characters, and it's it's a it's a very compelling film. The chemistry between the two of them are amazing. It's amazing to see how much work they've had to put in and the way it's staged within this room that I didn't feel like that kind of claustrophobia of being in the same hotel room over and over or even just minor changes of that. It, I still feel this movie, while being a bit Pollyanna and its plot, like especially with sex workers and how this all could have gone. There's an alternate universe of this movie where everything goes horrific, and yes. you know it turns into a horror movie uh, or or a sexual thriller. Um, but with all that aside, I I still it's just so damn satisfying in uh, its message and tone that I just couldn't oh, yeah. uh, look away. And I like that even though. You know, it goes after the the higher stuff being like everyone deserves to come alive and experience pleasure and not to judge sex workers on their face or anything like that. And and they really kind of go through all the machinations of the sex worker kind of life and how people treat them and everything else. Um, but I also like how they kind of display the blurred line between like pleasure and intimacy 
and mm-hmm. kind of and also relationships like this and boundaries that have to be set and everything else. So it is multi-layered for something that is kind of uh, pretty simple. Uh, about yeah. two people in a room, you know, just for for ninety five, a hundred minutes. So, I truly felt for both of their situations, and you know, I think it's still it worked up and down. And if it's only going to be up for consideration for Emmy, I would definitely put them both uh, up oh, top, yeah. not just Thompson, who obviously is a staple uh, of all the award circuits. So. Is that a good enough uh, situation? I know you're so high on this movie. So what did you like about it? Yeah, I I think you kind of capture everything that makes the film so special is like even in its simplicity, it still finds nuance and heart to it. So then that way it doesn't feel like you're just sitting in a room with these two people who don't know anything about each other and are now having to share like, you know, themselves with one another whether that's through an emotional connection a physical connection whatever that might be right and um i think i mean the movie is hot because emma thompson is hot i just want to go on the record yeah that suck on that kenneth branagh (laughs) yeah this is kenneth branagh sorry for the slander but also not sorry because that's what you deserve you brought Um, up that relationship when we're not talking about nema thompson movies so i'm fine with that (laughs) i've i've i always bring that up especially when the the um person who was not faithful in that marriage continually gets nominated for Oscars. And I'm like, not in this Emma Thompson Stan household. (laughs) Um, Uh Just me and myself in my own house yelling (laughs) about it. Um, But I just, I really, I think it was a really um, refreshing thing to look at too, because very often we look at female sexuality that it like ends at 50. It's just like, okay, like, curtains on that like go off and like eat pray love the rest of your life because you Uh have nothing else to live for other than pasta and i think that it just Mm. really brought to the fact that like you can lose a spouse you can you know your marriage can dissolve you can just be a woman over the age of 40 and need to learn things about yourself and learn to love yourself in completely different ways than you were allowed to when you were younger. Yeah. And I think that that is such an empowering thing because again, so often we're looking at female sexuality as like in their twenties, maybe into their thirties, but you put children into the equation, you put menopause into the equation, you put not being a size two anymore into the equation. And all of a sudden it's just like, oh, that's hideous. And I just, that was like the biggest thing that was such a refreshing takeaway was, oh, I get to see Emma Thompson just like be a woman and in all facets of what it means to be a woman on on screen. I love that for her. Absolutely. And and so many times now we see, women uh of a certain age of course like you were saying kind of being if if they do get a romantic relationship movie it has to be like wow can you believe this is happening yes. like or it's some kind of you know uh you know what is it a winter summer whatever the 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 opposite 
you know, the older woman, younger man, or yeah. vice versa, these kind of things that happen. Like some miracle that a person over a certain age found love or, or got a second chance or whatever. This movie, I don't want to say it like it's so serious, but at least it took it serious enough to have the conversation in more of a straightforward manner instead of turning mm-hmm. it into some kind of rom-com or cartoon version of it that tends to happen uh, to women uh, a lot of times to men too, but like there, it's so normalized that men of like Sean Connery was, uh, you know, with Catherine Zeta Jones when he was yeah. in his sixties on screen. Nobody went what. Um, so this is a very normalized version. It's also a very British uh, yes. way of thinking that I was like, that is perfect, spot on. You know, pick the as a person who has that all in his uh, in his bones uh, with the last name Morgan and everything else. I am extremely British, and to uh, to see all sides, uh, yeah, we're uh, you know cold, emotionless uh, generations that try to slowly come out of our shell and maybe we'll do it by the time we're in our 50s or 60s. yeah 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 i mean it is it is also extremely british which i particularly love because yeah, i'm like yeah, yeah like lean into that too because i think that we also have misconceptions about that culture because i mean obviously there was a stiff upper lip keep calm carry on kind of attitude yes. yeah but also there is a like they're still European. Like they were not founded by Puritans like we were. Right. Like, there yeah. is their prudishness do, does exist, but it is very different than yeah. the you know um, burning people at the stake vibe that we have <laughs> yes. at our inception. So yeah. you know it is it's very interesting to kind of see that balance between the newer generation um, because Daryl McCormick is younger than her. Right. And so him kind of being like, this is normal. Like just seeing how certain things are normalized. And I also love the fact that he was always very non-judgmental in how he challenged her way of thinking, not coming out like, well, you hired me kind of thing. It was always like a, okay, well, like, let's look at our situation. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Like, let what makes you think that? So then that way he can start to break down those barriers so that, you know, at the end of the day, he gets a nice Yelp review and <laughs> yeah. she gets her money's worth. So right. I think, yeah, I love it's a great film. Everyone. I, oh, yeah, um, they should absolutely check it out. Um my my thing, and that's why I kind of led with the whole. It is kind of Pollyanna, and and it's part of what you're saying is, not every sex worker is going to have the patience of a therapist to no. do his job, uh, or her job, and that is what's remarkable about this movie. It makes it work, obviously, and he's like mm-hmm. kind of a unicorn, and that's what makes this all work. But at the same time, it could go very differently, and that kind of it's it's nice to see, and all the conversations are necessary and needed in not only in the movie, but also in society. So I would tell everybody to watch it, but also kind of turn off that part of your brain where you're just like, this ain't happening like nine times out of 10. So nine uh, times out of 10, but I would say everybody needs a Leo grand if that was the case. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's just pretend that we have a window into the 10% of the time where the sex worker is in a, place where they're safe enough to sit there and ask sure why questions and 
exactly. have the patience enough to ask all of the whys of what's going on. Exactly. He did his 10,000 hours. That's really what yes, it he is. He, he has perfected yeah. his job and, and it's, it's an amazing connection and it's well worth the watch on that. Um, so yes, Emmy consideration, FYC, whatever uh, it needs to be, please do that. Um, so now that we've kind of gone through what just currently happened, I, I can also say I watched Watcher in the in the uh, movie theater as well. I believe you said you watched that as well. Yeah, you yeah, caught that uh, in a theater though, right? I caught a screener of it, okay. so I was at home, um, slightly passing away from my second COVID booster, but well worth. <laughs> It was a good companion piece for uh, for anyone who's kind of like waiting for maybe some extra added twists or some other things that maybe would happen. I feel like that really wasn't either the point or the execution of this one, yeah. but it definitely has a lot to say about believing women and yeah. really, you know, noticing your surroundings and, and how police deal with these situations and a lot of things that, again, are worthy of discussion. So it was something of a movie that I liked, I admired, didn't love, but would say like, yeah, if it's on Shudder in a in a few weeks or if it's still out in your local movie theater, I would say it's worth a watch. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat with that too. And it really is kind of like gaslighting the horror movie yeah. kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that um, take on it because I think very often when we do gaslighting, we also are tormenting women to be able to say like they have to be in you know just peril at all times right for us to be like isn't it horrible that we gaslit them and it's like no if someone feels uncomfortable no matter how minor it is <laughs> sure like we have to believe that they feel uncomfortable sure. so i appreciated that they were like it doesn't have to be grand to be uncomfortable and something that you should care about so yeah yeah, please care. That's yes. more really what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was uh, Micah Monroe. So I want to okay. uh, make sure I get that right on there. But yes, definitely if that is out in your local theaters, definitely check that out. Is there other ones that maybe you want to recommend that are currently out or maybe something down the, the pike here? Well, I mean, currently out, uh, always a shout out to After Yang because I just love Coconata. Uh, I beautiful is that a showtime release showtime release yeah i sobbed like a baby so of course it got five stars because it squeezed an emotion out of me (laughs) Uh um and then because everyone is in like the 2022 is the year of dakota johnson yes her film am i okay is supposed to be released on hbo max later this year it is co-directed by uh, Stephanie Allen and Tig Notaro. Yeah, um, big fan of Tig Notaro. They they just did wonders with this very personal story for the writer Lauren uh, Pomeranz, mm-hmm. who came out later in life. And um, you know Dakota Johnson is so wonderful in it because she gets to be both funny and endearing, which you get to see in Cha Cha Real Smooth. Right. But she got to be like the centerpiece of the heart of everything in um, Am I Okay? Yeah. And they also make fun of LA stuff because <laughs> you know they it's everyone who lives in LA, and so they're making fun of parking at LAX or right. having to drive across town kind of thing. And sure. um, yeah, it's really lovely. And I'm so happy it's going to be on HBO Max because it definitely needs a wide release. And sometimes I think 
it gets lost in the theater shuffle. Some of those smaller yeah, films. I'm curious when they're going to release that because you know, are they putting this in the teeth of the the award season? Are they giving it that kind of you know platform with HBO? Because obviously, if they haven't even put out a release date or a trailer, yeah, and we're in you know almost July, my guess is that's exactly what's going on. Which good for them. Yeah, yeah, which that I would not be mad if that's what they do with the film. And I mean, you might as well capitalize on the fact that she has Cha-Cha Real Smooth and then Persuasion in July. Yeah. So, you know. Keep some but, distance, and but still ride the wave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she is having an amazing year. And I'm so happy for her coming off, again, like Lost Daughter this past year, too, where mm-hmm. she's really shedding that Fifty Shades of Grey you know, entryway where, hey, good on her. She made a big name for herself. She probably made a bunch of money off those movies and then now gets to be more choosy. And I love her taste now that yeah. she's getting to do these things. And I like that people are seeing that talent and really backing her when, you know, if this was a different decade, she might have been typecast and she'd be done. So, yeah. you know, good on her for for going the route that she is and good on everyone for recognizing her talent. Cause yeah, everything I've seen, I'm, I'm even looking for, I'm not the biggest Jane Austen person, but I will definitely watch oh, yeah. persuasion. And, and that trailer looked cheeky as hell. So I am definitely up for it. If it's going to keep that tone. Oh yeah. I'm, I, um, I also recommend she does have a production company called tea time productions. Yeah. Check out their Instagram. They're always kind of just posting fun stuff on there, which I appreciate because it also shows her taste in like movies that she's recommending movies that the production team is recommending music that they're recommending. Um, but yeah, she produced both cha-cha and, um, am I okay? And I, you know, she had, the double whammy of she had to shed both that 50 shades of gray moniker that was gonna follow her but she also is like the a third generation nepotism baby oh is that right well because her grandmother is tippy hedron her mother is melanie griffin her dad is Don Johnson. Her stepdad is Antonio Banderas. And then there's Dakota Johnson who is honestly the queen of nepotism babies. I she can honestly lock people in any restaurant <laughs> that she wants. She did that. Wow. Um, she can lie <laughs> about how much she loves limes. She can just ruin a talk show host's career. I'm she can do whatever she wants. I don't wow. care. Wow. I just appreciate the fact that she really, you know, like she got her foot in the door with something that made a lot of money. Right. And also could really separate her from all of that lineage and the people that she came from and now has really gotten to curate some really impressive work, whether it's, you know, five minutes in a film or leading a film. So I'm like super excited for the the year of dakota johnson i know and i am here for it and now that you told me even more stuff to get excited about with her that i i you know you're bad for my mental health i try to keep (laughs) uh, a considerable safe distance from dakota johnson content that because i'm like already obsessed when she's on screen so you know for my own protection i keep off the instagram of hers or any of those things and now you're just feeding the feeding the fire 
Look, she doesn't post everything on Tea Times, but I definitely recommend their uh, that group. They they have some good stuff that they are posting. Also, Picture Start co-produced. Their multi whomever is doing their social media is also super chaotic, and I love them. And they 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 brought us Cha Cha Real Smooth. They're bringing us Am I Okay let's all lean in to that yeah. energy and let's all lean into god damn it cooper rafe is 25 years old and has made multiple it's, festival films and is just crushing it and is just and doing it in such a humble and lovely way i love i know love that love that for him i know check out shit house if you uh, if you haven't already mm-hmm. i'm saying that more to the audience i assume you so probably have it's on showtime it's on showtime is it god damn it you're trying to sell me the showtime thing you're killing <laughs> me we're doing this on off air i can't have any more streaming um but thank you thank you morgan yeah. for doing this with me uh, there's so many options we didn't even mention other stuff and we'll probably as the year progresses maybe bring you in for more like hey remember called jane or hey remember like any of these other films that haven't been released oh, yeah. but were picked up so it'll be a good time I've always having a good time with you, so I appreciate you coming on. Tell the people, uh, so Untitled Cinema Gals is still going strong, right? And then they can, you have the Substack now? You, ha- you added pieces since I last talked to you. I know, this is true. Yeah, so Untitled Cinema Gals, our podcast is chaotic but going strong. <laughs> I've been doing um, some episodes without Chelsea with just another person to talk about a movie. Mm-hmm. She's been doing a lot of uh, drag race. So we really are trying to make sure that there's everything for everyone. Right. So um, check that out. I did add a Substack to the non-existent um, free time <laughs> that I have because I was sure you're filling just like, it with other stuff. Who else is going to talk about my so-called life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have a, a Substack called uh, Morgan's Movie Musings that uh, has been a lot of my so-called life, but I have also done a Cha-Cha Real Smooth and Worst Person in the World review and just random stuff that comes to mind because I can do whatever the heck I want there. And That's then, exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can find all my other stuff on my Twitter at MSML Roberts and who knows, maybe I'll add some other random thing. What else <laughs> is there to add? Exactly. I know <laughs> if, if you, if it's out there, you'll find it because you are a contributor everywhere and, and adding more and more things that I feel like I have to mention every time you're on. So congratulations on all that. Excellent. I hope you enjoyed Tribeca. Um, and Thank maybe you. We'll, we'll have to hear some of that when those movies start to trickle out. Because um, I know The Novice was one of your favorites from last year. And that was a was. Uh, one. So I don't know if you picked out a gem from there that might have some legs. So we'll we'll keep in touch, Moria. And I appreciate you coming on being our first guest on Recent Thank Activity. you so much for having me. <laughs> like beer do you like podcasts do you like beer podcasts then check out crack and one open a podcast about brews news and pop culture reviews every week we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country and sometimes the world we'll talk about how it was made what's in it the history of the brew and the brewery then we'll give our tasting notes and while we're finishing up we'll talk about some of the latest goings on in the world of pop culture so check out crack and one open with mike and elise part of the forgotten entertainment family all right, we're back, and it wouldn't be an episode without bringing in the best co-hosts around. So we have Chris and Shane on the mics on a Father's Day weekend. Happy Father's Day to you guys, by the way. Happy Father's Day to you. Yeah, you too, bud. Yeah, this is 
this is nice three three hip dads who are currently in a weight loss contest and uh <laughs> currently hating each other for it that's good yeah we're, yeah we're doing good I, uh i'm doing so well at not doing it yeah <laughs> hey man i look forward to that uh you know movie gift card that we decided you're gonna do <laughs> I'm gonna keep upping the money, and maybe it'll motivate you. So, so how does this uh, how does this work? We each give a card to the person who lost the most. Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah, or right. you come, you know, combine for one. However, you guys want to do it. And I say you guys because it's gonna be you two. So it is. I, it is. <laughs> I already lost nine and a half pounds the first week. So oh, I, if I on. if I keep on that, uh, I will be skinnier than Chris by the time this all wraps up, which I look forward to because he's already a skinny. Guy, yes, he is. So, uh, yeah. Stop, stop. Yeah. You both are sexy in your own ways. What's going to happen is you guys are both going to shave your beard at the end, and you're going to have that weight drop off and then somehow <laughs> beat me. That's what's going to happen. It'll be that last little bit. We can only try. We can only try. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of trying, let's uh, let's talk about some movies that tried uh, over the weekend. Um, as I mentioned up top in the intro to this episode, we will talk about Spiderhead. The latest Netflix, uh, I don't even know how, to, I, I guess, thriller, I guess you would call it, um, directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who is hot, the hottest man in Hollywood off of uh, Top Gun Maverick and signing that deal with Apple TV. I don't know if you guys saw about that uh, Brad Pitt Formula One movie Yep, that he's now going to do, so... He, he is signing checks, baby. He is just riding high off of the <laughs> Top Gun Maverick love. Uh, this also is starring Chris Hemsworth, Miles Teller, and Journey Smollett, as many. Not too many others. This is kind of a pandemic special. I don't know if you guys kind of picked up on that. You know, it's kind of like a one or two location kind of thing and, you know, very limited characters and everything else. So I had that vibe. Did you guys sense that? Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to know where the island is, and I want to go there. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was actually the first thing that any of us said about the movie was Shane saw it before everybody, and he was like, "If I, if I ever get arrested, I definitely want, I would sign up for this place." Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. I want to go to Spiderhead. Sign me up right now. Yeah, <laughs> he's on the speedboat right now. So if you hear that in the background, that little like motorized action, that's exactly what it is. He's blindfolded, just trying to do his best <laughs> with his notes. That's what's <laughs> happening right here. Um. But this was based on a New Yorker short story by George Saunders. Uh, it is about a state-of-the-art penitentiary run by a brilliant visionary, Steve Adnesti, who is played by Chris Hemsworth, uh, where inmates wear a surgically attached device that administers dosages of mind-altering drugs in exchange for commuted sentences. Uh, there are no bars, no cells, none of that, no orange jumpsuits. In Spiderhead, incarcerated volunteers are free to be themselves until they're not. At times, <laughs> they're a better version. Need to lighten up? Take a drug for that. At a loss for words? Take a drug for that. Uh, but when two subjects, Jeff, played by Miles Teller, and Lizzie, played by Journey Smollett, form a connection, their path to redemption takes a twistier turn as Abnesti's experiments start to push the limits of free will altogether. This is a movie that is currently getting uh, almost as bagged as us doing Obi-Wan coverage. Uh, <laughs> it is getting uh, pretty heated out there. A 44% Rotten Tomatoes score, uh, a 54 meta score, 5.5 on IMDb, and a 34% Rotten Tomato audience score. So even people are hating this more than critics. So it is tough. 
uh, out there if you are Spiderhead. Though there are some critics that I truly enjoy out there, Sean Fennessy of The Ringer for one, uh, who they did a whole episode on it and kind of like did the whole Netflix thing. And I was, and they even interviewed the uh, the writing team because this is written by the guys who wrote Deadpool and Zombieland, amongst other things, which are movies I absolutely love. But I, I don't know if this movie deserves that treatment. Because if it did, I'd be like, guys, we're scrapping everything else today. Let's get right into Spiderhead right up top because this is the hottest thing out there. And um, I watched this twice because the first time felt like a fever dream where I was like, <laughs> is this as weird and disjointed as I think it is? And I watched it a second time. I got a little better on it, especially because I watched it with subtitles to like get some of the weird phrasing down just to be like, oh, okay, I, I get it now. But yeah, I I don't think I wrap my arms around this completely. I think it's a bold story to tell, but only a mediocre execution. Shane, I know, uh, like you said, you watched it first, and this was a movie that you and I basically, like, when it was first called Escape from Spiderhead, like a year and a half ago, we were like, yeah, man, fucking Spiderhead, let's do this. <laughs> um, so how would you feel once you actually got a hold of this thing? It's funny. Uh, it, it is a weird watch, I will say that. I first of all, I love the soundtrack. The soundtrack is probably the best part of the movie. Agreed. It it opens up with Supertramp, which happens to be my guilty pleasure band of all time. Yeah. Which our which our buddy John Amenta said there's no such thing as guilty pleasure if you like it, but I I disagree there a little bit because if I'm because <laughs> if, if I'm riding down the road and someone pulls up next to me, I'm gonna turn Supertramp down a little bit. So that's my <laughs> definition of a guilty pleasure. For yeah. Shame. I loved the soundtrack. I loved the style of the movie. It was I loved the set designs. It was bright. It was colorful. But as far as the movie goes, I mean, I, I think I texted you like it has so many plot holes that you just can't even think about the plot yeah, holes. Right. But I really enjoyed it for some reason. It, it's not the best movie. I'll probably never watch it again. Yeah. I like I like Miles Teller. Uh, except for his hair, his hair was like I don't know. He had a weird pre mullet thing, go- yeah. yeah, going on. Which I said and- to Chris because we watched it together. I was like, "So is this just what Miles Teller is now?" He's like, "All right, I was the star the way I looked, but listen, if I'm gonna get any cred, it's Top Gun mustache and Spiderhead mullet and other <laughs> weird shit from now on. That's all we're doing, right?" And I love Chris Hemsworth. I think he's very charismatic. This role reminded me of almost um, the role he had in um, El Royale. What was that movie called? Where yeah. he played like the oh, hippie. Bad yeah, times yeah. at the El Royale. Yeah. yeah. Where he played like the bad guy and he just like chewed up every scene he was in. Uh, I thought he was very charismatic. A little bit over the top and goofy because it is what it is. Um, right. But I liked him. I just think it's funny when you, you, you have these beautiful people in these roles. And I thought about Jessica Alba in the Fantastic Four. It's like, all right, so you're just going to slap glasses on him like, and call <laughs> yeah. him a scientist? Like, okay. It. Yep. it is what it is. Yeah. But as far as the movie goes, I mean, yeah, he's a pharmaceutical. Like, he's the head of his own company. They have all these trials that they're doing on people. I never really understood what he was doing that for or what the main purpose was except for like he wants to make everyone feel love i'm like okay whatever so if you if you put that aside i i really enjoyed it i thought they gave enough backstory to uh, miles teller why he was there and you finally get uh the female i forgot her name but you finally get her yeah you finally get her at the very end 
which was like a, a, a pretty good twist. But again, the whole Chris Hemsworth role, like I didn't know why he was doing what he was doing. I don't know who he was contracted for. I don't know what was going on or his end game. But again, if I was going to prison, sign me up for Spiderhead because that place looks <laughs> awesome. You know what I yeah, mean? Like you it just look, get to it be on awesome. drugs and eat snacks all day. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, like, giving the drugs to himself, which I thought was a weird scene. I think if they wanted to nail it, I really thought <laughs> at that moment when he gave himself the N40 that right. we would get a Chris Hemsworth self-gratification scene. I think that would have <laughs> yeah. sent the movie over the oh, top. God. Yeah, because what we, else is the effect, right? Right. Wow, so 80% by women uh, but, love this movie. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, exactly, but we never got that. I thought they, if they really wanted to nail this movie, they would have went there with that scene, but they didn't. But again, I loved Hemsworth. I like Miles Teller. It was good enough for me to like pay attention to, and I, I think I scored it a three out of five, which is probably higher than most people would. I, I again, a lot of holes in the plot and the writing and whatever. But to me, it was entertaining enough where it held my attention. Yeah, I'm somewhere around there. I'm like, I'm like a two and a half or something. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I don't want to bag on this movie because I like that it took such a big swing. I like the dynamic of prisoners who have no real recourse other than to like comply with the new environment that they're in, or else go back to Gen Pop. They kind of bring up that kind of vibe all the time, and then also they also don't feel like they deserve any better. Because there's a, the type of crimes that they're in for yeah. or, or the life that they've had leading up to this. So they very much hand selected these people and you can kind of tell that all going on. I just don't know. I don't know if I care about the actual stuff that's going on. Like, oh, you're trying to get people to comply and then testing it. Cause I, and I think partly that is because I don't buy Hemsworth as this i think he did good for what he was given and casted for but i don't know i feel like this movie could have been if it's not joseph kaczynski who cares more about a soundtrack than like you know getting dark or any of that stuff um or or diving into you know gore or any kind of outlandish stuff like that isn't comedy or whatever i think if I don't think he has such a style that brings this to life as much. Right. Um, so I, I thought maybe in a different set of hands or a different lead, this could have felt like ex machina it, in a different right. person's hand. Yeah. But instead, it felt like a one type of movie up until the third act, and then it felt like, oh, this is the guys who wrote Deadpool. Because when you're sitting there, uh, we we all love the soundtrack. Chris and I remarked that when we were yeah. we were talking about it too. But the soundtrack at the end, where I'm listening to like an upbeat Hall and Oates thing, like where they're trying to escape the facility, yeah. I thought that turned into "Am I watching Deadpool?" Right. So like where I was like, the rest of the movie is borderline inert, like for most of the movie because it's all just people in a room day day. doing. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. it's. I don't. I wouldn't call it a slog because it's kind of interesting, but at the same time, way different from how the movie ends. Right. So it just didn't match up to me. So I thought the tone kind of flied around wherever it needed to be, and I I felt it was uneven with that. And you know, like I said, in in a different person's hands or a different kind of casting, this movie is wildly different. I, I will say though, before we get to Chris, sorry, 
Um, I love the first uh, sex scene with Miles Teller where like yeah. he fell over on the chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and they're like and they, looking over like, like oh, yeah. are they still, yeah. And, and then when he's sitting here. across yeah. from the big Nazi guy. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, no, oh, no, like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, they, they made me laugh audibly. Like I liked those scenes. I thought there was enough humor in it for me. But those two scenes were just freaking hilarious to me. Like, like when he's again, he's like, "No, no, Mark, no, yeah, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not yeah. doing this." <laughs> and Miles so. Teller, Chris, I'll, I'll I'll ask your opinion on this. I I, didn't, I don't think I asked it when we watched it, but like, it just didn't seem. It seemed like, especially with the mullet and the whole thing, like I don't know yeah. what they were trying to set him up as a character. Whether he's just supposed to be like more. Uh, uh, country boy or a backwoods like i don't know what they were trying to set up with his overall look and demeanor and all that like yeah he's obviously a screw-up that's how he ended up in the situation that he was in and everything else but again i feel like in a in a different person's body or a different person to play him maybe that character was drawn up a little bit different but because Kaczynski likes Teller. He's worked with him many times. I feel like that's he was like, "Well, I have Miles Teller. What am I gonna What am I gonna right. do here?" <laughs> I think Miles stepped up and said, uh, "You know, hey, listen, I feel this guy's from you know the Carolinas. No offense, Shane. Uh, <laughs> Watch so it. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give myself a junior mullet. Yeah, and I'm gonna give myself a little little twang in my my speech sometimes. But then yeah, I didn't it. feel the twang. I, I didn't, or at least I didn't feel him authentic. Right. You know? So, you know, he's just a guy that was put in a bad situation uh, due to, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, it, he it made a mistake. to any of us. Yeah, he made, he a, made mistake. a mistake. Right. And that's kind of like the, the feeling about him and Lizzie, and that's maybe why they kind of bonded as souls and then found out the truth amongst each other. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I just, I don't know, it it's sort of like the... Uh, Oh, you can't experiment on uh, animals. Why don't you experiment on those uh, prison people? Yeah, you know? which is and, not not a thing, <laughs> right? So I just figured that's what this was. It's like he's been contracted to, you know, try his drugs right on these people that no one cares about, right? But you know, you can only go so far with that. Like you know, you only know two characters' story, right? Really, um, yeah. Everyone else is a mystery. So you're like, okay, you're just looking at this guy with all tatted up. He must be a bad guy. Right. And he he's, doesn't have, like, the nicest demeanor. Right. So let's just assume his backstory is something terrible. Right. And uh, everyone else is just like, okay, you've got another guy who's uh, uh, constantly on uh, janitorial detail. Yeah, don't forget yeah. about Look- shit finger. Yeah, shift finger. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, what drugs no, should have made her comply? Because obviously, you should have mm-hmm. known the drugs weren't working when she's just walking around spreading poo everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's. Uh, and again, that was like the Deadpool yeah. Zombieland guy thing, where I'm like, oh, okay, you're just trying to breathe some humor and life into some of these things. But I was like, does that really make <laughs> sense when you think about everything else? Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, this was a vehicle for Hemsworth. It, like yeah. a lot of people were. Yeah, he was saying, a producer oh, on it, I think, too. Oh, of course. So it's like, yeah, I'll be the star. Yeah. <laughs> um, but overall, it was his movie. He basically got to do whatever the hell he wanted on screen. He reminded me of uh, how Christian Bale, his uh, character in American Psycho, 
yeah. was. It was like a little over the top in his surrounding. Yeah. Everyone else is acting normal, but he's a little elevated. Man, and now you just have me think about Christian Bale in this role, and I was like, <laughs> God, he would have done so much better. <laughs> so much better. I know. No, 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 I, I kid. But, I mean, you know he has comedic timing. You know he's uh, a decent actor. You know, Taika used him and uh, put him, you know, high on everyone's list of he's the guy that I want in this role. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like, throughout the whole thing, like, I was expecting some type of twist, but it was basically a straightforward movie of using these new experimental drugs on people that no one cares about. Yeah. And if they die, they die. If they, you know, if it works, then let's get this drug out there. Let's, you know, save lives or let's, you know, make me a, a kajillionaire or whatever. Yeah. This is going to be a little spoilery talk because I kind of want to know your guys' opinion about kind of, this MacGuffin sort of of the notebook because Mm. that whole discovery and getting the key and like just literally showing them where he keeps all his information to this large like experiment that's going on with multi-level criminals is in a notebook in one locked drawer that like what what are we doing what kind of security (laughs) is this he had Um, the key except for that one time he didn't have the key right and part of me was like, oh, did he do that on purpose? And then when it wasn't, I was like, oh, okay. So we're just going to be like, no security breach happened. And also, if no. you're so brilliant, you couldn't hire an IT guy to like put your stuff in the cloud and like whatever. Like, why, why, <laughs> well, we, why do we need to have this where like you have a system with a bingo card and gold stars and this rudimentary thing to play cloak and dagger? Why? Fucking, yeah. you're in charge. They're a bunch of criminals. Keep it away from get them that part. In, in the computer. So yeah. a lot of that stuff, like you were saying, Shane, a bunch of plot holes or things that could be like kind of moved away. But I could have been more entertained or I could have been more yeah. moved in like a thriller sense, especially because this movie is very claustrophobic. You're in these small little rooms all the time in this locked facility. So why not? I, I didn't feel as tense as I thought I should or or. Or basically anything. I think I was on one of those mood stabilizing drugs because I was just <laughs> chilled out going, I don't know what the fuck is happening. Or or I thought more was happening. And then after multiple watches, I was like, no, no, no. Like you said, Chris, it's kind of straightforward. Well, and the, the other thing was the only tension I felt was when uh, Chris Hemsworth leaves right. the uh, observation room, goes right. down to a situation to, to oversee. And Miles Teller gets to, you know, get the keys, open up the the thing, discover what's really going on, which we already knew what was kind of going on. It's like, it's not like, oh, my God. Yeah. And no offense. (laughs) That's like a big, uh, like like what they did was a big pet peeve I have with movies. Like they totally foreshadowed, like they put a close up on that drawer. I'm like earlier in the movie. Right. And I'm like, okay, we're going to go back. Yeah. We're going to go back to that later. Which is a big pet peeve for me. I'm like, stop just like blatantly foreshadowing stuff that's going to happen down the road. Right. I took it as like, you know, these eccentric, weirdo, smart people sometimes are aloof. So it would make sense that he writes stuff in a notepad rather than the iCloud. That's the way I took it. Because like, again, he's just, he's a weird guy that has these weird, eccentric, uh, you know, uh, things that he does. So I, I, but like that moment. Again, I, I knew it was coming. I'm like, okay, here we go. 
the whole bingo card thing made no sense to me. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, whatever. Right. Like, again, plot holes, but, you know, I, I can yeah. see why Chris Hemsworth's character would write in a diary as opposed to putting stuff in the cloud. Yeah, there is some logic to it, but the security behind it, like you have a facility where he has everything at the tip of his finger in the phone and doing everything else, but that's the one thing. I don't know. I, there, <laughs> I don't want to get too lost in it, but what I do want to know, because Chris, we kind of put our numbers to it. Where would you put this in a five-star rating system? Well, you said it before. I think I, I'm more towards the two and a half, yeah. 2.5 out of five. Uh, you know, I watched it. I kind of knew where it was going, but overall, like Shane said, I don't think I'm going to watch this again. Yeah. I've seen it. I know what happened. And of I'm course, over. like with any other Netflix movie, it's the number one movie they have going right now. And I'm sure a bunch of people will watch it because it's Hemsworth on the cover and Miles Teller and all that. And, you know, it's it's got a lot of people who I thought I was going to like because there was a lot of people involved that I'm I'm behind. I'm not lost on them. But it's just not a movie where I'm going to go back. Like you said, I'm not going to revisit. I'm not going to spread the word. I'm not going to shout from the rooftops. It's just a movie that had a, a, a good concept that had pretty okay execution that I'm never going to think about again. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, but what I do want to know before we get out of here is uh, I was on, obviously, with Morgan Roberts earlier, and we talked about a lot of the Sundance movies, and I know you guys caught up on a few of them. And most importantly, uh, my favorite movie of the year thus far is Cha-Cha Real Smooth, and I know you guys watch it, so I'm bracing for the hit whether you guys actually watch this or not. Um, Chris, I'll start with you because you're a little more uh, foo-foo, you know, like me, uh, where, where we, uh, we love our— Go screw you know, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I also know. Sorry, uh, Shane. The adults are talking. Yeah. No. I also know Shane scores because he puts everything on letterbox before we even record, <laughs> you piece of crap. So <laughs> hide the football a little bit from me, buddy. I'm too much online. Um, all right, Chris. What did you think of Cha Cha Real Smooth? Uh, more like Cha Cha Real. No, it was good. I, I really <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. No, uh, you know what? You You've been hyping this up way i know it's partially my way fault. too long yeah way too long and then when it finally comes uh, i we had a little back and forth uh where i was just like i'm all set i'm gonna go to netflix and watch chacha and you're like um apple tv yeah, yeah. i'm like yeah that's right apple tv so i'm gonna go to apple tv i'm gonna watch this movie and uh i gotta say i was uh i was in yeah uh it, it was uh again right up my alley um you uh you know with the uh independent movies with the you know small character studies i i I hate even saying that character study yeah sure but um real people uh real situations uh you know i've known people like (laughs) like uh the people where who are portrayed in this you know i andrew uh yeah the cooper uh, Rafe character yeah like i know people like that where they're just like dead set on this person yeah whether they're good or not yeah Um, and being kind of lost at that age i know i was you know yeah i was not even a person yeah i I had like a full mental freak out at 25 because i my life wasn't in order everybody does that and i've kind of like identified with that even now at 44 i still don't know what i need right exactly Um, and which makes me more sympathetic to dakota johnson for that matter 
because yeah. you know you kind of get to be a little lost at whatever age yeah but that's the thing like uh they didn't really delve into how old she was but we were to assume she's in her 30s probably she's, yeah, yeah she's you know if she has a teenager even if she got you know early on i forgot whether she yeah. said she was uh in high school or whatever when she had had the kid so yeah, yeah. She, so you she figured explained. young yeah so i just uh i um yeah i i i really felt a connection with everyone uh i also think i'm in love with dakota johnson that's uh well established if you maybe heard me on other things and even shame <laughs> when we talked about lost daughter that's another character yeah. where you know she took another very difficult character that is unlikable to a lot of people because she just does whatever she wants and is unhappy, but she could be happy where it's that kind of borderline thing. And I think you liked that movie enough. I knew it wasn't for you, but I, I feel like she's just becoming a better and better actress, but I know uh, I'm setting you up to go how much you hated her as a, <laughs> as a character anyway, but I can't take my eyes off Dakota Johnson. I'm sorry. No, she was fine. Uh <clears throat> I think I was telling one uh, someone earlier, like I think she sh- finally shed that whole Fifty Shades of Grey yeah. stuff that she had on her because yeah. she is it's a over. really yeah she's a good actress she, like she can act and I I really do like her presence on screen and she has I two just, more movies by the way for the rest of the year like where she's gonna do that even more yeah I can't I couldn't I get it's her character she played but I really <laughs> I wanted her to die. In so many ways <laughs> yeah. in this movie. Like when she was having her stomach issues or whatever she was having, I was like, just just keel over and die, please. I, I guess that. <laughs> I really like this movie, though. So, Andrew, you're on spot, man. Like this movie, a coming-of-age story in your young 20s when you don't really know who you are. I identified with uh, Cooper uh, very much. Like I've never seen him before. So this is my first taste of him. Yeah, uh, but writer, he director, have... <clears throat> and star of it, too. This kid is ha- 25 and just killing it. Yeah, he has an on-screen presence that I just couldn't keep myself away from. Yep. Yeah, it was very heartfelt. It was very moving. Uh, so yeah, I do have that inside, gentlemen. I do have that in here. Um, <laughs> Not I, completely dead inside. Yeah. I liked Leslie Mann as his mom. I, I loved yes. um, uh, Brad Garrett. I, yeah. I loved him too. <laughs> I did too. Yeah. So the cast was great. The movie was great. I just could not stand, and I understand what the what role she played in his development and his coming yeah. of age. I just, it's hard for me to describe, but like, I just thought she played her fiance really bad. And then she's stringing this guy along. And I'm like, uh, eh, maybe, but I she kind of knows that she's toxic. Right. You know, and I don't want to say it hit yeah. kind of close to home, but I'm like, eh, I eh. hear you. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, I couldn't stand her character. I loved her daughter in this role. Like I love yeah, the yeah. dynamic between Cooper and the daughter. I thought was very refreshing. I just for and she was great. I just could not stand the person she was, and maybe that's a kudos to her uh, because it made me really hate her, <laughs> and I did. So, can I tell you the scene that broke me? Go ahead. Cooper and his younger brother in the car. Oh when yeah. When they're uh, talking, he's just like telling how much he misses uh, and all that. So it broke me. It yeah. honestly, like I was just openly weeping. Like yeah. there, there are multiple moments that get really heavy in this movie. But for some reason, that was the one that I was just like, "God damn it!" It just, yeah. it just took me out. It took yeah. the knees out. I was just no. Dying. It was that was a, yeah. a, a that was a heavy scene, and uh, I, I loved it though. I love that dynamic between the younger brother and himself. And yeah, you know. everybody's good. It's yeah, so yes. good. <laughs> like you, you almost say like uh, with uh, 
uh, Dakota Johnson's fiance, uh, Joseph. Yeah. Like you're like, man, he's he's a jerk right off the bat. It's yeah. like, but this has happened probably before. Yeah. And he's just like, here's another kid who's you know who's thinking that he's gonna run off with her. Yeah. And it's like, don't. I'm gonna stop it right here. Which, by you the know. way, I love that guy, too. Uh, he was in Army of the Dead. He was in uh, the vampire movie for Netflix, too. Uh, what the hell was that called? I thought it was like... Night one- Teeth. Night Teeth. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Woo. So he was in that, too. He was like the older brother who like yeah. took command, too. He was in Hustle. He was the lawyer there, too. Like He's he's in a lot of stuff, and I like him whenever he's on. I, I, I loved like uh, his interaction with the kids. Yeah. Like he was cool with the kids. It's like, you know, oh, you want to go on dance floor? Oh, you know, want to do this? He yeah. was so like oh my Smooth? god. Smooth? <laughs> uh? <laughs> no, I don't get the reference. What, oh, I'm what sorry. happened? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I just like, wanted to be him. I wanted to be uh a, you know, a bar mitzvah DJ. I wanted to be a party yeah. starter, you know. Is that a thing? Is a party I'm starter? I'm the party starter. <laughs> yes. Like it, it was so good. Like I uh, I just the the thing that threw me off a little bit in the beginning was uh you know you see his dad and then all of a sudden Brad Garrett comes in as the new dad I'm like yeah. what what happened to the other dad what are, are we going to talk about that yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, no. we're not and I'm assuming that they're <laughs> half siblings yeah I I I don't fully remember the the situation there yeah uh, so. but obviously a big differential so but, yeah, but so I thought an, they were I thought they were legit together. Anyway, but uh, overall, like I just even even like that's just one nitpick for yeah. me. Yeah, and and it's not even nitpick. It's just something I observed that I'm like, wait a minute, what happened to the other guy? And we're not even talking about him. Yeah, we're just moving on with ourselves. Yeah, but I'm like, uh, I like you know how he is not important. <laughs> he's not important because you know what? Uh, uh, Brad Garrett had to grow as as a parent. Yeah, he had to. Uh, you know, kind of gain the respect of these kids. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I like I like how his character came full circle. Know what I like? You know? Hearing that I was fully right. So, well, I'll take the, the wins on both of you guys for having you watch this one. Uh, and also, before we get out of here, Leo Grand, I know, I believe both of yep. you watched that one as well. Um, Chris, I'll start with you because I kind of know a little bit about Shane's. So, <laughs> where, where did you sit with uh, Good Luck, Leo Grand? I thought it was uh, a sweet movie. Uh, I believe there's a stigma about being an older woman in Hollywood. Yeah. Where, you know, you kind of see parallels with her as the character Mm -hmm. and her in real life where, you know, she doesn't feel herself. She doesn't feel like she still has uh, the ability to be sexy Sure. Uh, so here comes I've, Leo Grant. Yeah, I feel you know? that at forty. So I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> we all have our days. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, 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 I've always liked Emma Thompson. Me I too. think she has like this. Uh, th- there's just something about her that you feel for her in Love Actually. Yeah. Uh, you, you've seen her in. Uh, her previous relationship with uh, Kenneth Branagh, yeah. all his projects. Yeah. Uh, she's very good. And I got to say, like, I don't understand the stigma where I think we've talked about it. It's like, oh, 
what's the oldest that you would be attracted to? And we, mm. we've all talked to the, about that. And I think uh, too much, actually. <laughs> a little too much yeah. we're not objectifying but we're kind of objectifying yeah we just need um, to talk about other things that's all i'm saying yeah but uh <laughs> uh be sure to check out our blog post no, no uh new video no it was really done and uh i i feel uh what's his character's name i'm blanking leo grand no uh i'm sorry his uh the real the real guy He's got a uh, like an air of sophistication to him. He uh, does in yeah. this in this role, uh, Daryl McCormick. I I felt like certain times he reminded me of Rami Malek, mm. but yeah. sure uh, a more lively or awake looking. Uh, yeah, he looks like he he should be on Bridgerton. Like he should be that like yes. Jean Luc kind of guy. <laughs> kind of yeah, but like right off the rip, uh, uh, I'm just like, is this really a guy? that they got that they paid who's uh like a sex therapist or uh or sex worker sex yeah well sex worker but like you know he's helping people through stuff you know and he's going through the the certain clientele that he gets the varied clientele he gets yeah and, my therapist um, won't do any of this stuff so i think you gotta go <laughs> i've asked it's it's not in the cards yeah do you just go into the room pantsless? I mean, <laughs> have you tried that? Yeah, I go straight Winnie the Pooh. I just wear yeah. a short shirt, <laughs> belly action, and no pants, no nothing. Oh bother! Yeah, <laughs> um, jar of honey. <laughs> but I, I think I think uh, all the the people involved are, uh, are they treated <laughs> I I this film? Shane, sorry, <laughs> they treated this film. Uh, with kid gloves and they didn't exploit the characters. Uh, I think it was really well done. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. And I, I, I hope Shane got something out of it though. I think maybe have a lesser opinion. No, I do. And I told Chris, I texted him earlier. Like it was a good film, but it, for me, it was a very boring film. Like you're in one set. Yeah. You're in one set piece, which is the hotel room. Well, yeah, maybe it's a two. chamber piece. Yeah. Right. But I I like I understand the character dynamic between the two. They're in both different points of their lives. They're both trying to figure stuff out. They have very they're very similar in a lot of ways, and they're helping each other kind of grow and break out of their shell. I did appreciate that. And Emma Thompson, yeah, she's she's a good looking older woman. Out out banger is all I'm saying. She'd get a t shirt. <laughs> so, um, but I just found it to be very okay. Like I don't know. I just found it after like. When they said meeting three, I'm like, oh, God, okay. Just can we move this along and get it over with? Like, I just found it to be very boring after a while. I think the yeah. dialogue just didn't hold me enough to that movie. And I appreciated it. I, I liked it. But I, it's nothing I would ever, ever revisit. And again, towards the end, I just kind of found it like, all right, can we just finish? I kept checking the time. I'm like, right, I got a half hour left. Blah, blah, blah. Right. I just, yeah, I just found it boring. Like, too, too slow paced for me. Um, but I appreciate it, is what I'll say. So I'm not going to snub my nose at it. Sure. It's no, it's no interceptor. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but was, what is? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, but no, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I think I, I haven't graded it yet, but I'll give it a three out of five. Um, okay. For my, for my score. But again, just a little boring for my taste. But I think Shane I, is on the uh, Chris Hemsworth payroll is what's happening right here. Exactly. Like but I did, interceptor with a you know, provocation. <laughs> I did like 
to Chris's note, the young guy who played Leo Grand, I thought he was very upfront and and you paid attention to him. I thought he was very sophisticated. Uh, he had like a, a a good charm about him, and he had a presence, yeah. and I really liked it. And the Rami Malik comparison is actually pretty good, though I enjoyed him a little bit more than Rami Malik. Yeah, to be, to be honest with you. Um, well, Malik plays more creepy, even though he right. does have some delicate features. He definitely plays more creep. So I, I really did enjoy the the young actor who played uh, Leo Grand. So I'll leave it. I'll give Chris kudos for that. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, I'm glad you guys checked those out. You know, like I said, we uh, we just did that whole segment with Morgan Roberts. Thanks again to her for coming on the show and and going through the whole Sundance slate. But yeah, man, uh, I only got to see a handful of movies at Sundance, and I was impressed with quite a bit of them. And and obviously, we're seeing them now trickle out and and really kind of make a presence. A lot of people are talking about uh, certain these movies and. Who knows, because uh, Leo Grand, unfortunately, because it had no theatrical, is only going for an Emmy, not the Oscars stuff. But looking forward to, to next week. That's that's pretty much the show for us today. Um, but we got such, like, next week is just a murder. I, I we, We're still kind of kicking around what exactly we're going to cover, but we definitely know that we are going to talk about the black phone. We will reluctantly cover the end of Obi-Wan Kenobi, maybe uh, doing that, like, end of Return of the Jedi Endor celebration for when it's fa- actually over. We can stop talking about it. Uh, we could do the whole, you know. <laughs> You walk dance. Yeah, the nub nubs. Yeah. We could do the whole thing. You know, have a spitfire thing, carry C3PO around. We'll do the whole whole thing, man. It'll be great. Um Yeah, and uh, even one of my favorite shows will be back next week with only murders in the building. I doubt I'm gonna mention it besides just yay. <laughs> but um but yeah, Beavis the Butthead, Elvis, Marcel the Shell, Man from Toronto, so many things. Uh it's a delight for at least people who are uh maybe shut-ins like us at times where we're just, you know, cranking out content all the time, but we'll definitely bring you opinions, our hot takes on a lot of those things. You guys looking forward to any of those in particular? I'm looking forward uh, to the Man from Toronto. Uh, obviously the Black Phone is like number 1 on my list. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, definitely And there. then and then the man from Toronto is number two, and I am. I'll put this out there for you people. I am going to go see Elvis, so you can lock that in. I'm my bar is set really low, only because it has a three hour runtime. So yeah. if I make it out of there, the weird part is an hour and fifteen minutes of that is just Tom Hanks eating. It's very <laughs> off putting. It's very, it's it's awful. It's awful to look at, and right. his accent. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That long. My yeah. God. Woo. But that's what I'm bringing next week. So I, I will. I'm. I'm. I'm a psychopath. So I'll watch all this, <laughs> all these movies, and all this content. So yeah. I'll bring it to you guys next week. There you go, Chris. Anything Jeez. for you? Uh, I. You know what? The more I think about Marcel the Shell, yeah, is I'm like, they probably could have done like a short, and would have been. It was a good. short. They expanded it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's. Yeah, it could have been left been, there. Yeah. yeah. But I I, I want to see that. I want to see what it's about. What, you know, I want to have a good uh, head scratcher, cry, whatever. And I think that's going to bring it. Yeah. Um, so, but that's I the think, early reviews. Yeah. Out of the festivals. That's That's been the noise. I mean, so someone has to watch the weird stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll bring that to the table. Yeah. Exactly. All right, good stuff, guys. As always, I look forward to next week covering a lot of the stuff that we mentioned. And always come back, guys. Like, subscribe, do everything. Uh, you know, send us fan mail. Yeah, exactly. Do all that stuff. 
uh, and meet us here next week for more recent activity. <laughs>